this week on the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association, is it porn? It sounds like porn. I'm Nito Kitchen. Tonight we're looking at going down in La La Land. But because small town gays moving to California to become actors is only 98% of the economy, I'm joined by two friends that represent the other 2%. First up, she's the most lonely gynecologist in Orange County. It's Amelia. <laughs> Unlike everyone else who moved to California to work in Hollywood. Hold up a second. Look at this report. I moved to California to work in the weed industry, which nobody has ever done before. I can be found at the Nefarious Navigator on Instagram. Insert bomb noises here. <laughs> okay, I was hoping that it would like register into the snowball mic that I hit my bomb right after I said that. Next up, they always wanted to hunt humans for sport, but then they found the joys of connects. It's Ro. Hello, everybody. My name is Ro, and I, like so many people, had a dream. A dream to move to L.A. and to serve rich, pretentious people two bites of yogurt and granola from a sawed-off mason jar. God. <laughs> Do you like popcorn? Thanks. I serve it in the popcorn machine. <laughs> <laughs> going down to... Going down to La La Land follows Adam, a twink who dreams of being an actor as his initial dream dissolves and he tries to find happiness out in California. You know, which is hard when your three skills are looking cute, uh, basic filing and sorting knowledge, and snarky eye rolls. Will Adam find his own private La La Ho, or end up as a ho at the end of the world? Going Down in La La Land is at the time of this podcast free on YouTube. So if you haven't seen it or want to check it out, go do that. And then come back. Wait, it's because... free on YouTube? Yes. Uh, then come back because we're go <laughs> we're on the West Coast, which means it's the spoiler boat here. Toot toot. I got cheated out by Amazon Prime. Damn it! <laughs> I, I sent you a link and everything. Um, oh no! <laughs> so what did y'all they think? They even of this told movie? us. They even told us last week before the podcast ended <laughs> that it was free. <laughs> Um, this is not my so, fault. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so what did you think of this film? Uh, it was I, great. Uh, totally worth the $3.99 that I paid for it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I went into it thinking it was going to be another, like, just terrible movie, but I actually, I liked it. <laughs> Yeah, a terrible gay rom-com. Yeah, like... We've seen so many of those. I I just want to read one second. I just... I I would like... I would like to read the quote that is on the front of the box. A sharp-edged satire about naked ambition. Like... I literally thought this was just going to be, like, a bunch of naked twinks, like, falling in love with each other. 
Yeah, I was... There was only one kind of mildly naked twink when he jumps into the pool. (laughs) Yeah, I was really surprised that there was only, like, one and a half penises in this movie. You didn't even get the two-penis rule, really, if if you think about it. Um, but yeah, also I would like to point out that apparently they, like, stretched his, Adam's torso for the, <laughs> cause he looks, like, really wide. Um, no, like, I, I, I literally got it thinking, oh, this looks like a, like a, a shitty, like, is it me level of quality, um, mm-hmm. gay rom-com, and I was, I was actually surprised that, you know, I, I actually didn't. I didn't hate it, like, and I liked a lot of it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I was really um, surprised by it too. Like, you get so like into this stereotypical image of the like late two thousands, early twenty tens gay rom com because so many movies came out then that were just like terrible for the sake of having gay people in them as stars or whatever. But this movie didn't go down that way. There wasn't, like, a really clear-cut love story. Um, And it really kind of highlighted to me, like, exactly what it is to be an actor living in L.A., just, like, waiting for your moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think the I think story... The first third of my notes were all, is this really what it's like to live in L.A.? <laughs> I, I, think, I feel like the story and the production values, even um, the color grading, which we talked about a little bit last time, we criticized on Vampire Boys, too. Like, it's all very... Got, it's all got a very consistent uh, and competent production quality with like minor dips here and there. Um, but yeah, like this certainly is a very big improvement from some other movies we've seen, but not all the other movies. Um, so let's actually talk about some of the characters in this movie and let's, let's talk about who we're focused on. Let's uh, talk about Adam. So tell me a little bit about Adam. I really um, <laughs> go ahead. liked that scene in the beginning when he first goes to LA and they go to the bar and him and Candy are having that super awkward like interaction with Candy's like acquaintances from her drug class or whatever. Um, because I feel like it kind of established right off the bat that Adam isn't that kind of like a catty um shitty person like you know he kind of he's a good dude he's just like a good dude trying to make it in LA and you know doing whatever he can to make that happen (laughs) yeah it made me actually really happy when Candy told those two guys off at the bar at the beginning of the movie because like when you're in an industry and you're trying to make your way up, you kind of gain a tolerance for bullshit. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's coming from people who you know can help you get a job later on down the line, right? Mm-hmm. But to, like, stand up to, like, 
catty, like, monstrously rude gaze in that manner was like, yeah, you go, Candy. And also to see that Adam, like, wasn't playing into it. Like, he's not that kind of gay. He's a, he's a New York gay. I would like to point out... They're that different. Of, I'd like to point out that one of the um, caddy gays that they stand up to is the gossip colonist uh, from Ugly Betty who turns out not to be gay but pretends to be gay uh, during the TMZ-style like, gossip TV show but actually has like a whole family and stuff in New Jersey. Um, That's hilarious. <laughs> do you f- How do you feel like Adam, as far as like following protagonists and seeing their story develop, do you think that as you went more and more along, you felt more and more invested in Adam's story, or did you feel like parts of it took you out? I think for the most part, I got more and more invested in Adam's story. Um, I think having... His first, like, having him in two relationships throughout the course of the movie and, like, having his first one end and go the way it did, it just, like, made me really invested in seeing Adam happy because he seems like such a good guy. And then, like, you know, the whole thing with Nick happens and the meth and you're just like, man, I think even in my notes, I, like, put down, like, man, I just want Adam to be happy. I want him to, like, be with the actor guy and, like, live his, like the Hollywood fantasies basically. Right. Um, speaking of that, do you think, uh, do you think that, cause like, I, I think one of my, one of my only criticisms of the characters, um, is specifically that a lot of them, how do I put this? Is they're not very three dimensional, but they have a lot of interesting, they're put into a lot of interesting situations. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the only people that really sort of breaks that mold is Nick, the, who just breaks the mold by becoming more and more of sort of like a nineties era PSA of like a meth head. Mm Um, can, do you feel like it's was, too stereotypical how far they took it or do you feel like that's something that feels like it was an appropriate level of sort of like obsession and addiction i mean you and i have lived in new mexico nato we know what addiction looks like (laughs) all you have to do is step off the rail runner in albuquerque (laughs) to see what addiction really looks like i think the scenes with Nick, for the most part, were pretty tastefully done. Like, mm-hmm. like is once you've gone far enough to into the movie to know that he's like addicted to drugs, you can go back and look at his past behavior and start to see how they've been, like, hinting at it and, like, building mm-hmm. up to that reveal. Mm-hmm. Which is really also, a one shame. Thing I, one <laughs> because, thing I noticed, too... Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, one thing I noticed that they did is kind of, like, 
when it starts becoming more apparent that he is struggling with a drug addiction, like the lighting around Nick changed. Um, because I remember like seeing when he forgets about their date the first time, right? Or he's like, we had reservations, you're not ready or whatever. Like the lighting had gone from this kind of like brighter lighting around him to like this very dark. And like from that point on, for the most part, we really only saw Nick in shadows except for a couple of other like instances. I think everything about Nick is believable to me as far as his mm-hmm. actions and from my interactions with people who are struggling with their addictions. Um, except for, it feels like at the very end, it just like, it was at the peak where it needed to be and it just like kind of fell down, but we cut away from like the complete fall. Yeah. Right. It felt I, like I it, wish it felt like it it felt like at the very end it was Reefer Madness the musical. But up until but before that it was like a really good sort of arc and a really good contrast to our main love interest John the actor. Yeah. So, how do you feel about the relationship of Adam and John and how it developed, how it started? Um and how it kind of ended up. I liked their relationship a lot in the beginning. I don't think I found the ending quite as believable. Especially, like, the parts near the end of the movie when John is trying to reconcile. Like... I feel like they should have taken more into consideration about the aftermath of John's choice to get back with Adam, right? Because it feels like they just ride off into the sunset and everybody lives happily ever after. But what I'm really interested in is, like, the tabloids know what's going down. Like, how does this affect John? What happens to his TV show? Like... I feel like there was more territory there to explore. And I feel like this was one of the other situations that we've seen in some of the other movies. I think it was also in Eating Out, where, like, they had a really, like, adult and responsible kind of breakup, where it's just, like, they obviously cared about each other, but both of them were looking for something different, as one was looking, you know, for someone to love but not be public with, and the other person wanted to be with someone they loved that they could be, you know, public with. Um, And there's no real compromise for that. It's like we can be public on weekends or something. Um, But, like, (laughs) I think it was really... It was really, um, like, respectable, like, how they end- how they handled their break. They didn't really, like, try and demonize the other person or anything like that. They were just like, you know, I love you, but this is irreconcilable, you know. Yeah, the and, things we want from this relationship are completely different. And I think that would so, have been, like, an interesting sort of, you know, to go off of that and lead into maybe him finding someone new or go with me now he gets together with ron ron is a plus ron is the best character in this movie i love ron (laughs) 
I love and respect a person in the porn industry who doesn't stick around for the shoots. <laughs> I just, I love. Ron the is just for- about the money. He's like, he's not. He's like, He'll like joke. It's like, do you want to do porn now? You know, it's like, but he respects like the no. He doesn't like keep on asking at that moment, and he's just he's so nice. You know, I I felt so bad when Adam had to quit that job because you know, it meant that we wouldn't see Ron again. They had so many t- opportunities to turn Ron into like an actual sleaze ball of a character. Mm-hmm. Ron, by the way is the manager of a uh, porn studio for whom uh, Nick and Adam both work. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they they really could have sleazed him up, but, like, he's they just a pleasant the talent old guy. Agency up in, they they sleazed the talent agency up instead. Like, with the, uh, the head assistant and stuff like that. Just so sleazy. Oh, my God. We um, hate Matthew. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, uh, they sleaze them up. And so by contrast, we got like a really healthy work situation for, uh, Adam. And then we went from that work situation to when he was the quote unquote personal assistant for John, which I'm just going to leave there for now. I don't really want to talk about that. Um, right. So what I want to go back to John. (laughs) What I'm interested to know from you, Nato, is how you think this compares to, like, Pornography, a Thriller, which is another movie that has a lot of, like, in like interest in the business of pornography. So, from, so from my experience, my own personal experience, because... Uh, there was a time when I interviewed some of the big porn stars at the time, uh, basically for a project that ended up getting scrapped. Uh, I should say gay porn stars. I didn't talk to straight porn stars, so I can't speak to that. This is a much more accurate depiction than pornography, a thriller, because I think pornography, a thriller, the the theming of pornography a thriller was it was using sort of like the idea of pornography to give sort of a dark sort of twisted uh immoral you know atmosphere to the movie whereas this one is using it more as a place to give opportunity uh consensual opportunity as is what is shown uh to the characters and it's kind of like night and day the two movies you know like one is about someone who felt like they couldn't do anything else and kind of got trapped sort of in that world of sex work and this one was like the uh, adam took a temp job and then of his own sort of like choice he decided to do a nude photo shoot and then do an actual video by himself and then he got shamed by candy who i feel like she was doming i feel like she wants to be tiffany but she just never got there um so those are my what do you think about the comparisons between this movie and pornography a thriller I really like in I really like in this movie that there was real emphasis on autonomy. 
that every time Adam took a step further into the world of pornography, it was because that he had decided that it was what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there were, of course, people around him at the time saying, you know, you'd make it big, you'd be the biggest, you know, you'd be, you could become the face of gay porn at this time. But he, at every point of the way, had an opportunity to say no. And he was surrounded by people who'd respected his decisions, which was really nice. Yeah. I also like how they made a point of almost of um, every time somebody tried to shame him for being in porn, it was kind of like, but like, I'm just going to tell people that I needed money because that's why I'm doing this. (laughs) Right. I did what I had to do for the money and I don't regret it. Like, Like, (laughs) that's such a that's such an empowering stance. (laughs) (laughs) Um. One of the people that that, candy with a Y. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say one of the people that shames him is Candy, who at that specific time was was using someone else who is paying her as a human table. Um, So, what do you think about Candy? Her sort of holier than thou moments and her overall uh, relationship with Adam. I think Candy. Is well-meaning. Like, she wants to be a good friend to Adam so desperately. But she's, like, so wrapped up in herself and her own, like, journey to fame that, like, I don't think she realizes sometimes how, like, hypocritical the things that she says to Adam actually are. (laughs) Yeah. I I can't... She she just seems like a a a, a B class Tiffany to me because Tiffany also has like some of the same um, traits as Candy, but Tiffany is just so much more fun. Like Candy's still fun, but like Tiffany is like Tiffany can hold five five films, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Candy, I don't think I could watch another film with her in it. Do, films, I her in do films four and five really even count? Though, if she only shows up for, like, five seconds. I really, really loved... So, I really loved the uh, handheld quality when they were doing the vampire maid thing in this. Oh! Uh, For real. Oh, yeah! That was so good. It had really, like, I just started my OnlyFans vibes, (laughs) and I'm just trying to push content out there. (laughs) My only criticism of that is then they use the same handheld thing during Adam's porn and it's just and then they cut like over his shoulder to show the other cameras and one has like a, a stabilization and the other is on a tripod. I'm like, why is it so shaky when we cut back to it then? Um, but no, like it's there's a lot of fun bits in there. Like yeah, she her uh, candy coming out of the. Um, coming out of the coffin is like and putting back back in her teeth like i got a kick out of that that was a lot of fun i liked uh i like when bruce valance showed up as the director i was like oh my god what are you doing here it's it's surprising (laughs) like because we get those cameos like bruce valance and guy from ugly betty and judy tenuta is in this but not as a comedic role which i found kind of surprising 
because um, we saw her I first was, period. I was really happy to see, because I was not super familiar with Judy Tenuta's work, and then went to her IMDb page, and I was like, wait a minute, she's in, like, everything. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> She was in Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which is like, if you were if you were a child watching Cartoon Network and Adult Swim in like the early two thousands, like she she's played she's played a lot of psychic characters too. Like uh, I think it was Madame Judy um, on the Weird Al show. Yeah, I did get um, I did kind of get that vibe from her. Ooh, yeah, you know. Kind of that, like, really, like, expressive, like, voice. And we don't get that in this movie, but we still get a really solid performance from her, which I was surprised about. I thought, it's kind of, mm, it's kind of funny that, like, his, that John's beard would be a washed-up 80s soap actress, you know? Yeah. That isn't very expressive. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think it's just those cameos and no one else, um... So we can move on without without thinking about it too hard. Uh, there's some really nice <laughs> framing in this film, like oh, the, yeah. the photo shoot for specifically of Adam. Oh, yeah, it, it looks like an actual one that like would be an actual spread, and I was really kind of impressed by that. And you um, can tell that Adam was having fun with it too, which yeah. is important. Because when you're really comfortable with the photographer um, and the subject is having fun and the photographer is having fun, it shows in the finished product. In addition to that, the the angles we got really did accentuate. It's what a a photographer would actually do is accentuate the parts of the body that really glow about the person, you know? It's... You know, anyone can just shoot a dick, you know, but, like, you can be so turned on by, like, the shadows that curve around someone's body if the photographer knows what they're doing. And we got that. The type of photography in high art, uh, sort of that type of erotic photography is extremely different from the type of sort of photography in this one. Um, and I think they're both accurate to what to the universes they were in, what they were like going for, you know, because it's New York versus California. Right. It's like pizza, you know. And like high art has this very like heat of the moment, like snapshot in time, like capture it now or it'll be gone forever kind of vibe. Yeah, it's like how Chicago Whereas- pizza sucks. <laughs> this is um, this is Chicago more. It doesn't have pizza. It has a fucking pie. pie. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> How did this argument start? <laughs> let me tell I you didn't about. Say anything about pizza. I'm let me tell you about California I, Pizza Kitchen. Did I okay? black out for like thirty <laughs> seconds while the Chicago pizza argument got started? <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that it feels very, like, in the moment and, like, spur of the moment, like, ethereal, whereas this is very kind of, like, like, doing a photo shoot for a porn, right? 
it's very processed, like, you know what you're getting into, like, that there are certain angles and shots that will look good, you know what I mean? It's more, it's more industrial, I think, in nature. Let me let me phrase it in a different way. If if this if the same creative team and I'm not this isn't you're wrong, I'm just like my point wasn't clear. Um if the same team behind is it just me were to tackle a porn photo shoot for some reason, they decided that, you know, they weren't quote unquote, you know, too good for that kind of thing. Um, so if, if they were to include a uh, nude photo shoot in their movie, another gay rom-com, I guarantee you, like, all of the pictures would just be, like, you know, the pecs, the torso, the nips, the dick, you know, the ass. Like, I'm wouldn't... just imagining, like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, <laughs> snap, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, snap. Abs. <laughs> but no, but you get what I'm saying. Like this, this, it feels authentic. The pictures and the framing mm-hmm. that they got, and the fact that they took the time to make it like into a special moment. Yeah, unlike the time it takes to make a pizza in Chicago, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that there's that's where a, the gay there's... anarchist cooking part comes in, <laughs> <laughs> or the gay anarchist erotic cooking, the erotic cooking. Jesus Christ! There's nothing erotic about <laughs> Chicago pizza. Um, but <laughs> you know, we're trying to get this, more people this... to listen to this, right? <laughs> Are we? <laughs> Because <laughs> we're t- <laughs> talking about going down in La Land, like uh, <laughs> a movie everyone assumes is porn. Um, but no, like uh, the framing of this movie is just, in general, is gorgeous. Like the the cinematography, the shots, the long shots we get. You know, pr- a lot of the shot reverse shots are actually have like a lot of personality and definition to them that like, I'm really excited because we just haven't seen this in the longest time, you know? No, it's true. Um, I was really a big fan. I really liked that one shot. Um, when Nick and Adam are first making out and they're in the door frame, like up against each other. I don't know. I just thought that was so well done. It like just really showed like the intimacy of the moment and like kind of the just I don't know. It was it was really well done. Or even like John and Adam like center frame poolside like yeah about to kiss like they really had I think this focus about presenting precious moments right mm-hmm. and to make the, the 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 more intimate seem really special yeah absolutely um which going back to sort of the presentation of sort of like the dvd cover the poster the online teaser image stuff like that it's just all the more surprising because it just looks 
so generic and expected, and then it's just something completely different. So I actually, I have a question, kind of, uh, based off of our experience with sort of the gay indie rom-com, low-budget, gay low-budget rom-com. How, how do you think this movie kind of stacks up? Like, where do you think this movie would, like, fall if we, like, put them all together? I, I one of the better ones. I honestly don't think that this is in the same group at all. Like, it has love stories and touching romantic moments in it, but I think calling this movie a rom-com would be a mischaracterization. I agree. Because that's not what it felt like to me. At least the second half is... That's that's one of the other things is, like, the first half has, like, a healthy amount of comedy and, like, uh, snark and tell-offs and, you know, little jokes and jabs at people. And the second half is just, like... It just, like, switches to almost very serious. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, maybe gay half rom-com or indie... I don't even... It's not, it wouldn't be gay rom-com, you're right. What would it be called? Like, just the A indie... A dramedy? Ga- indie gays. The indie gays. A Let's gay, call indie, indie gay dramedy. The indie gaieties. <coughs> <laughs> so, among all the indie gaiety films that we've seen, uh, how do you... I know Amelia said this would be, like, in the top. Do you feel the same way, Ro? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think they, they... They took a lot of time, really, to think about the visual aspects of the storytelling. And they didn't rely on you know, the looks of their leads to do the storytelling for them. Which is something that a lot of gay rom-coms are very guilty of. Which is like, we have a hot white gay person here who's lusting after a hot white person that might be gay? Oh, and by the way, they, they also accidentally will... <laughs> catfished them. Will they? Will they end up fucking? And that's oh that's God. really not what this movie is. I, like they took the time to really like, even if the characters aren't the most like groundbreakingly interesting characters, they really took the time to figure out what would happen if they put these kind of milk toast characters into really serious mm-hmm. situations, which is nice. Like, you could tell there was a lot more thought behind it. I would like to say, before we, like, sum everything up, that um, in college I would go to Hastings, which I'm... There's not enough time uh, to explain what Hastings is if you don't know what it is. Um, But basically I would go and just buy random movies and kind of, like, go back to my dorm and watch them. And, like, wouldn't... We would just, like, grab randomly and give them a chance. And a lot of the time, those movies would suck. Like, And I still have them, but I will probably never watch them again, you know? But every now and then, you get one that, she, that looks shitty, 
it looked like horrible or bland or boring, but it would actually become like really interesting and do some things like exceptionally well. And it may not be your favorite film ever, but it would at least have moments that would stick with you. And I'm really glad that we got to watch this film because for me, that kind of epitomizes what I love about watching all these different films is that every now and then you will get a surprise and you will find one that surprises you. Yeah. So I think... So you're saying it was worth waiting through five eating out movies of varying degrees of bleh in order to get to this in the end? Yes. I think you mean three eating out movies. Thank you. Um, This came out in when? 2011? (laughs) Same year as two of the eating out movies, right? (laughs) I think there were only three eating out movies. Um... <laughs> I think NATO has like willfully forgotten about Trauma Camp and Open Weekend. Yeah, I think so too. I think they're just like, what? No, I don't acknowledge that those exist. Therefore, especially since I acknowledged all five earlier. Uh, they're they're not canon. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I would say that it was worth going through all five, but I will say. I am glad that if this was a result of five eating out movies and other movies like this are a result of those popularizing um, the audience for these type of films enough that we can get in, like j- jumps in quality and improvement like this, then I would watch like. 20 eating out movies i would watch a star wars like number of eating out movies (laughs) if it meant that we get more movies like going down on la la land hopefully like you know la la land 10 out of 10s not you know (laughs) 7 out of 10s but you know (laughs) uh movies that defy my expectations and surprise you. I would watch a bunch of bad movies just to get that experience. I think it's even interesting, considering that this came out around the same time as Eating Out 4 and 5, like, how drastically different, like, like the popular tropey takes on a gay rom-com and like actually thoughtful movie making can happen at the same time totally independent from each other and it's it's really interesting i think i think it also just depends on your audience eating out four and five knew that you know they were that their movies were going to be bought because First and foremost, people are looking for, you know, hot guys, nudity, and softish story with, like, no real challenging concepts. Right. And all because we're just so starved for gay content. Yeah. We need, we need, uh, 
We need a gay Burger King. We allowed the bar to be set too low. <laughs> okay, gay Wendy's. <laughs> Gindies. Uh, so, I think we've covered a lot. I I think... I think I know what the answer is going to be, but I think we better sum it up anyway. Just, you know, clear things up. So, Amelia... Did this movie make you want to fall in love with an off-brand sitcom star or have a job working with that annoying guy who looks like that one guy from Ugly Betty? I would never want to work with that fucking Matthew guy. He sucked so bad. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely recommend this movie uh, and watch it again, probably. Ro, did this movie make you want to go down to La La Land or die in Orange County? Um, <laughs> let's see. I <laughs> anyway, I actually, honestly, really like this movie. Like, it's <laughs> not by far the best movie that we've watched on this podcast, but for what it is, it's a really great little movie. Anyway, that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at GayEcapod. That's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, and I want to... While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions, and we can't wait to experience more movies with you. I'm Nito Kitch, reminding you that... Oh, 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 oh shit, this can't be right. Uh, we were supposed to watch Moonlight this week. Uh, f- fuck. Oh, no. We already did this joke, too. (laughs) Get out of here!